Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Slavic Bros. My name is Tyler, and this is my good buddy, Austin. What's going on, guys? How's it going for y'all today? And today, we have a very special guest on with us. Monica, you want to introduce yourself real fast? Sure. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, my name is Monica Pekis, and I am the current Miss Czechoslovak U.S. Ambassador. And previously, I was the Miss Czechoslovak Missouri 2021-2022. So happy to be here and chat with you guys tonight. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Austin and I actually talk about you a lot because you're very like well put together and very um professional. We're like, damn. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we, we've been planning to have you on here for a while. We're like, all right, we just got to find a time to get her on. And so it's, uh, it's I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys are awesome. I've been really excited about this um, and getting to chat about this and kind of work through our ideas. So happy that I could be on the show tonight. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, Honestly, I, I think this episode is going to be pretty chill. Not not really anything super crazy. But um, Austin, Austin, I planned before, we're just trying to have like a, a general conversation about promoting like Slavic stuff and as well as um, like the idea of a Slavic cultural heritage month. So I guess we can kind of start wherever. Austin, do you have any like things you want to you start out with? Um, well, first I would like to say, Monica, it's an honor to have you. It's always an honor to have um, Czech and Slovak royalty on our podcast. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> really. <laughs> so we're, we're happy to have you here. Um, and yeah, like Tyler said, we're going to kind of focus mostly on um, Slavic American identity and solidarity in this podcast and whether or not we should have a Slavic American Heritage Month. So I guess just to kind of start this off, I'll say, that, you know, I feel like I hear a lot about, like, different Slavic diasporas in um, countries like the UK or Germany, but us Slavic Americans are oftentimes, we're not as vocal, I don't think, and I think it's kind of a shame because, like, we all still feel that sense of solidarity and, like, you know, we have, like, good vibes with each other and, like, we tend to, like, when we're, like, in a setting where we get to meet each other, we tend to all kind of, you know, I guess, for lack of a better word, squad up. Um, <laughs> so I really hope that in the future we can start seeing, like, more of this playing out in professional settings where it's, like, you'll start seeing more, like, you know, Slavic American and also other Eastern European American networking institutions and, like, you know, professional development that kind of takes advantage of this this sentiment yeah Austin you actually make a really good point that I if I can jump in here and kind of talk about that professional networking so I'm an attorney by profession and one of the ways that I've gotten in touch with my Czech heritage is the Bohemian Lawyers Association of Chicago Ooh. and so it's really cool that an organization even exists like that where yeah. you know Czech and Slovak people, can network in a professional sense, because sometimes you feel like that is maybe lacking, like that cultural engagement in the professional field. Um, and then going through law school, I've talked to a lot of my friends that I've made over time, and there are like Serbian bar associations, Albanian, Polish, et cetera. There are a lot of different ethnic bar associations for lawyers that are of these different ethnicities. But I think you make an interesting point that maybe that we should have a overarching Slavic bar association. And I don't believe one of those exists where it brings together all of our cultures. Um, and in my experience, these bar associations are kind of small and maybe you find out about them from word of mouth or things like that. But if we had something larger that was connecting all these Slavic identities, I think that could be really powerful and a really yeah. great network 
networking opportunity, not only for lawyers, but maybe different professions if they had these organizations that were just all Slavic and then maybe, you know, subgroups for your specific countries. But I think that's something that could really help us advance in our professions for sure. Absolutely. That, that was really, really well put together. I, I like that. Um, I, I I can't relate too much to the, the lawyer side there. I, I wish I was that cool. But uh, <laughs> no, um, for, for something like I, I definitely I want to touch on here. So for like, if you were to expand that, have a like an overarching Slavic, I guess, heritage month. Awesome. Would you, would you agree? That's probably the best way of saying it. Um, yes. Yeah, so Slavic yeah, American yeah. heritage month. Yeah, so like Slavic American Heritage Month, would you, would you believe that that would be like a solid approach just for all Slavic Americans aside from their employment? Or do you think that that's not necessary? Or like, what's what's your take on that, Monica? I think that there can definitely be a benefit to it. And my kind of my personal take on that is there's never any downside to celebrating any heritage or any yeah. background or any defining characteristic. I agree. Yeah. So I think like I fully support, you know, the heritage months that we have now. And actually I've had this conversation um, with professor Joseph Topinka. And so he actually teaches, um, he's a lawyer as well. So like lawyer connection, but he is also a professor. And, and we've talked at length about bringing this kind of thing to university campuses. And that's would be a good way to kind of spread awareness of Slavic culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think That would be something interesting because like you guys said, you know, maybe people don't really speak up about Slavic culture. And I think that can be said for really a lot of different cultures, like maybe Scandinavian people. I'm not really aware of a heritage month for them. And I think it's just like a good learning opportunity. So I think something like that, I would always recommend, you know, learning opportunities and instances where we can learn about other people's cultures. I mean, I know a lot of places like universities or even workplaces will do like cultural fairs and then you can kind of go around and see different countries and you can see things like that so even if we just started there and had more of kind of like global cultural festivals so we could highlight our cultures I think that's a really good starting point right right I'm glad you brought that up especially um I, I currently I go to a university here in Virginia and um I've actually thought of in the past, I've talked to Austin about this a little bit. I think you actually suggested before, Austin, you're like, hey, you should start up a, a like a Slavic American club. And the university I go to, I'm one of like a very, very like small amount of people that go to this already kind of small school um, that is like Slavic American. Most people don't know what a Slav is. They've never heard of that before, which is just mind boggling to like to, to happen in my mind. I'm like, hey, like, oh, I'm Slavic. And they're like, what, what the hell is that? You know, uh, yeah. like, is that like is that like a derogatory term or something? And I'm like, what? But um, most people don't really care too much, or um, at least like at my university. And I feel like I wouldn't have too much of like an impact, which I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong and then like way out in left field about that. But just because like there's not enough like Slavic people there already, like that are in like a, a significant presence, it's just I feel like the opportunity isn't fully there. And also, like, at my university, I, like, whenever I try to say, oh, like, I'm Slavic American, they just, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Um, it's just like, oh, okay, well, you're just white. That's irrelevant. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't like that that kind of mindset that persists on the campus. And, like, I do agree, like, yeah, we have, like, the cultural, like, fairs and stuff. But I guess, like, due, due to, like, what I think of already is, like, the, the climate and people not knowing about Slavs, not really caring about Slavs on the campus, it's like, it would just kind of get glossed over. And I, I'm not, not really sure the best way of going about trying to rectify that, but 
don't know. I mean, I think you make a, a great point. So I grew up in Nevada and I noticed there really wasn't a big Slavic presence in Nevada, at least like publicly and outwardly. I mean, we had, you know, organizations and churches and things like that, that were dedicated to that, but in the mainstream, it really wasn't first and foremost. Whereas if you grow up in a community that is primarily Slavic, you know, you are far more aware of that and it's more of a part of your daily life. Right. And when you you present that point about what's the best way to go about it, my first thought is to take something that's not necessarily dedicated to, you know, Slavic culture and infusing Slavic culture a little bit in that. So say if you are a certain major and you're in a club for that major. So like I was a marketing major. If I brought someone into my marketing club as a guest speaker who was also Slavic and they spoke primarily about the marketing subject, but then they came in and they talked a little bit about Slavic culture and how that relates. I think that's a good segue to, you know, get that information in there where maybe we aren't just full blown going and doing this thing where we don't have a lot of resources for that, but just kind of like that little snippet to catch people's attention. That's a damn good idea. I think that's a really good point. That's a really good idea. Yeah. That reminds me a lot of what um, our former guest, um, Zeke Campos, he's a Tejano singer in Texas. He said, he he mentioned that like, you know, for Tejano, you know, Tejanos are kind of like a niche Mexican-American community unique to Texas. And he said like what he thinks is a good way for them to get publicity is to build relationships with, you know, um, famous Latino artists, which is what um, one band in McAllen, Texas, whose name I can't remember right now, did. And, and they're like a little band in McAllen, Texas. And like they are now all over like Latino radio because they partnered with Bad Bunny. Yeah, yeah. A famous. Yeah. And if you're listening, you're probably like, how does that relate to slabs? Well, <laughs> it's it's something it's a similar point it's like i think something that we could do is we could you know try to like build relationships with um prominent individuals and like you know kind of in our organizations try to bring in elements of slavic culture into like existing organizations as individuals or as friend groups and then like that you know kind of furthers our the visibility of our culture i think Yeah, well, I think the first step is just like when you talk to people around you, you know, when you're making friends and you get to know each other's background. And that's the first step where you realize, oh, this person also has a Slavic background or even it doesn't have to be that. But like learning about any of your friends, um, cultural backgrounds. And then from there, you you want to learn more about that. You want to make it bigger. So it starts with that one-on-one interpersonal relationship, I think, and then it can grow from there and then you get more people involved. And I think with anything, I mean, people like to learn about things. And then if you have someone kind of close to you that you can ask questions and you can have that interpersonal, that first kind of step into it, I think that really encourages people to learn about those kind of things. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think another thought that like came into my mind too, is that like one thing to get everybody regardless of where you are in the world interested in another place or asking a question or something or trying to learn is just by being inducted through food and uh my what, what am i actually yeah he's trying to form like a local food club and i'm hoping like he's like hey you should do it with me and i'm like all right cool i might hop in with him on that and then i can try to recommend going to like places that serve slavic dishes and like for me like especially like polish food and stuff everybody loves pierogies and so i'd be like hey let's go find that oh wow that's crazy it's polish and uh <laughs> go from there but 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. So I'm living in St. Louis, Missouri right now, and there is a pretty large Bosnian population here. Okay. And there, there's a restaurant here called Balkan Treat Pots. Oh, sorry, you can cut that out. Um, <laughs> my cat's in the room. She's being crazy. Um, but there is a restaurant here run um, by a local Bosnian family called Balkan Treat Box. And, you know, when that first came out, obviously the local Bosnian population was really interested in getting their yeah, yeah. Uh, cultural food there. But actually we have a, a new soccer stadium that they just built here. And one of the food vendors that they selected for the stadium is Balkan Treat Box. So now anyone that's like a soccer fan and is coming to that stadium Ooh. is being introduced to this Bosnian food and, you know, people love it. And so it's kind of like those little steps leading up to a big partnership like that, where people that never would have tried Bosnian food before are now trying it and they love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. That's that looks awesome, a lot of good yeah. food there. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're always at the soccer games and obviously I already liked um like Slavic food. So I was like, you know, this is good, but it's great for people that never would have done it before. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Balkan food is just perfect for like sporting events. I think looking at the Chevapi and the fries and the Borek, like it's just, you know, it's oh, yeah. with your hands. So it's perfect vibe for that. That's, that's great oh, yeah. news. And yeah. I think that's important to recognize too, because coming from like, if you look back to history, we ate the foods that we did in our cultures because those ingredients were available or it was easy to make for like a large family or things like that. Right. But when you modernize it and you look at the ways that we can transition those things to modern times and kind of spread the wealth and show people, you know, how good that food is when we take a different lens to it, then more people can experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, I know for myself, I've personally wondered if it would gain more traction by like hybridization with like another uh, food type. Like um, if you were to like maybe mix like Polish food with like Italian food, like, like it's just a hot take. I'm not saying like just that particularly, but as a hot take, like Polish with Italian food or like Polish with some other like type of thing, if that would like gain more traction, you mix those two together, you offer both the cuisines. And like, I, I kind of have that idea mostly from like a local um, restaurant I have here in uh, Fredericksburg, where it's a, it's a mix between like Northern cuisine as like a broad generalization and Southern cuisine. And it's called uh, the Mason Dixon Diner. And so they have like that really cool vibe. They have food from both. And I, I thought that'd be a really cool thing. It's like, huh, what if you did that in a larger note, with, like more diversity and you had like the, the Polish side and also like some other side, maybe you would gain more traction. I don't know. Just, just a hot take for myself. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, in Texas, a lot of families cook, a lot of Czech families cook Czech Mex fusion. Like I, yeah. most of the Czech dishes I cook, I actually have some Mexican influence. Like, you know, I'll add the jalapenos to the chicken paprika. I'll add the jalapenos to the goulash. Like, I like it yeah. a little bit spicier. Um, <laughs> I think there's, lots of potential with, with that. Um, unfortunately, like there hasn't been much. So with the pastries in Texas, like the Czech culture is put out there abundantly. Like, you know, we got the kolaches everywhere. We have the klobostniki or Texas kolaches that, you know, the sausage kolaches um, that have the most popular ones, the ones that have the cheese and jalapeno inside. So that's Mexican influence right there. So that's awesome. But unfortunately, like with the, with the Czech food like not the pastries there hasn't been much of a like a promotion in texas and like one of these days i want to change that like you know like if i, if I could live, live a different life i would open a czech restaurant in texas and sell and uh cook czech mex fusion cuisine like yeah. you know like foods i like to cook for myself and my family cooks and then cook from, i like to cook with my friends like 
that that kind of food that kind of combines both cultures because I feel like then like it's it would be very marketable dude I, yeah I, I, I mean I think you have a good point about the fusion um both of you guys about how we can yeah. kind of fuse different cultures and modernize and do things like that to draw people's attention and I think that really is something that might appeal to younger generations which is yeah kind of what we're trying to do um in my experience a lot of the older generations that have a very direct tie to uh the ancestors that came over from Europe they you know sometimes they want things to stay traditional and they really and that's important too you know to continue to make these traditional recipes that maybe their grandparents or great-grandparents did and to honor that but I think young people are far more open to modernizing things and being flexible and shifting things a little bit and I think young people are really open to perhaps those kind of fusion dishes or things of that nature that are putting a little twist on it so I think young people can kind of lead that charge for sure yeah yeah I'm glad you brought that up um young people are definitely it's just like it's a way different mindset like you said Old people are like a lot of times, oh, I'm stuck in the past. It's got to be like my, my great grandpappy, his great grandpappy made these the exact same way. And it's, a, it's you know, it's, it's the same thing. You've all seen it over and over. Um, but like young people, on the other hand, they're like, oh, cool. Like, let's try new things. Let's, let's like expand our our, uh, our view and not have like, the horse blinders on. I mean, both are good. Uh, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other, because like you said, it is really important to have that, that traditionalism still. But like at the same time, it's like you, you can't always have like that that like anchors holding you down in the past. You got to be able to expand. Um. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think too, it's like, yes, obviously each of our individual cultures are important on their own, but I think there's a unique mindset with the younger generation where we can recognize my culture is important. And so is yours. And so is yours. And why don't we try something new that blends them because they each have their own features. And if it doesn't work out, we just, you know, move on and do the next thing, but it's not, that serious we can always go back to the tradition we we have tradition but I think there's some value in taking risks and being progressive and seeing what sticks and what makes people want to come around and start learning because you you draw them in and then they can start learning about the the history and the tradition and exactly how it was back in the old country right right I I really kind of look forward to seeing like you know more young people like us kind of getting involved with the communities and bringing in like these new ideas and, you know, bringing in a mentality of, you know, let's experiment, let's try, let's mix our culture with different influences. Cause I would make the case that I feel like in like, I can just speak for Texas checks. Like, I feel like it's just like the old people like have like dominate, like this, like dominate the culture and it kind of young people it can make some young people hesitant to get involved because like, it's like, they don't want to disappoint them. And like, they don't know as much as them. So they don't want to step up to the plate, but I really do think that we need to start. We need to start kind of trying to convince these older generations to make space for the young people, because the innovation I think is how we're going to both survive and also flourish and, you know, kind of get promoted more broadly. Like in Texas, at uh, H-E-B, a grocery store, has his cooking contest, and despite all the Czech festivals in Texas, like, I have yet to see a Czech dish enter the cooking contest, which is yeah. so disappointing. Right. Oh. I think you bring up a really good point, and the, the way I think about it is that heritage is this very dichotomous thing, and we are all trying to figure out where we fit within that, because 
the only reason we have this heritage is because of our ancestors that lived a very specific certain way and then eventually immigrated to the United States. But we are here now and we are living our lives. And I don't think there's any sense in limiting our lives and what we want to be creative with and what we want to do. So it's kind of towing the line about, like you said, respecting the older generations and their knowledge. And the older generations are the ones that have basically carried this with uh, hosting festivals and preserving recipes and preserving the language and things like that. But I think it's important where there's young people that have an active interest in this and want to continue it, that we learn to have this cross-generational understanding in this relationship. And I think sometimes that we can get a little like too in the weeds on that, where there's infighting maybe between older and younger generations about what the right way is to do it. But at the end of the day, we are all of the same culture. Even if we're different Slavic identities, we're all of the the overarching umbrella that we have the same goal that we want to preserve this and we want to honor sacrifices that came before us, but then also continue to progress and do things like that. So I think I think the real solution here is just sitting down and having conversations. And sometimes we have to be flexible with that because older generations have a way that they've done things. Younger generations are really into social media or maybe different forms of media that the older ones do not use or they have no interest in. Um, but also, I mean, it, I shouldn't generalize at all because there are older people that like those things and younger people that don't. So I think it's just when you enter an interaction, really just coming in with an open mind on either side, wherever your background is, and then knowing that we have the same goal. And I think that's really how we can move forward is having those conversations and really kind of working together to see, you know, what's going to work. And maybe in this community, we have more young people. So we'll do something that caters to them, or maybe in this community, we have older generations that prefer this and how do we retain that, but still bring new people in. So I think it's, it's going to be a journey uh, no matter what. And it, it varies depending on geographic region. But if you're putting yourself out there in that space, having those conversations, I think, is what's going to get us there. Yeah, I um, it really is a journey, I think. And me and Tyler kind of go through this too a lot. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like the different communities are all different. And then also like Slavic Americans are different than our European. Yeah, uh, yeah better, better getting that. Yeah. So Tyler, I'm curious, what what do you think about that? Like, you know, like the Slavic American space and how it kind of is different than like the space in Europe and how that can. Yeah. So recently uh, <laughs> I went on a rant probably like two, maybe three days ago with Austin over the phone about this because I was just fed up because I agree with everything you said, Monica, about a lot of the communication is key, right? And like for us to be able to like hold on to the identity, identity, we're trying to like promote it. We're trying to kind of like keep it and also try to like modernize with it and do our own thing because we're Slavic Americans, right? Um, I've noticed a problem mostly on the Polish side because that's what pertains to myself. Uh, I don't know too much about the Czech side, but oh, it's the Czech side too. <laughs> yeah, so so I know I noticed a problem where basically the Polish diaspora is just being like harassed. And I know I'm gonna get a lot of hate from uh, from like some of the uh, European viewers here, but uh, they're they're getting like, for lack of better words, like harassed by the uh, like the the main country polls. Uh, there's a lot of like the Polish uh, Americans that are like going on like the Polish subreddits and Polish quora's, and they're asking questions. I've noticed it especially in the Polish subreddits. They're asking questions, being very interested about Poland, and there's like a lot of like these internet trolls that are basically just harassing them 
calling them out, calling them names, being like, oh, you Americans are trash, that kind of stuff. And they're not, um, they're trying to act like they're not Polish or like, I guess the, the, the way I, I described it to Austin is like, it's almost like they created like a caste system where like, there's like them, like the European Slavs are like inherently better than the American Slavs. And so whenever American Slavs try to like ask questions or they try to like rediscover Slavic identities and stuff, or um, they're just like trying to push that culture. Like the European Slavs will like be like, oh, that's cringe. Oh, that's stupid. And uh, they'll like put them down and, and try to act better. But like, there's, there's a huge difference. We're Slavic American for a reason. Like we have our own stuff that happened aside from that. And it's like, sure, our histories were the same up to a certain point until they stepped foot on American soil. And I'm proud that I have like that Slavic side, but like, I'm Slavic American, you're Slavic American, Austin, you're Slavic American. And it's like, we have our own special histories and like our cultures were changed and impacted and stuff um, when, when they came over here. So I don't know. It, it's just one of those things that like, I've noticed like it is very annoying. Just like we, we can't seem to communicate with them to like a certain level just because they'll try to like harass us or put it down or whatnot and say like, oh, you're just not Polish or, oh, you don't know this. So you're, you're basically just, I'm better than you in some way. I don't know. There's, there's a lot for me to, I guess, like, convey there, and it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I think it's something we really struggle with, like, as, like, a project recently. Like, you know, it's just, we, this project has kind of, like, you know, evolved with, like, the time that we've been doing in the past couple of months, where it's, like, at first we wanted to focus more on, like, European stuff and kind of yeah. educate American, Slavic Americans on that. But then on TikTok especially, we start having to deal with some very aggravating people and um it kind of like pushed us in this new direction where it's like we want to try to express pride in like a slavic american slavic american identities um because they are unique like you know yeah the like for example i'm beyond say my personal opinion like the czech american music is different than the czech czech music and it's better so so yeah. I really do think it's like something that we're starting to emphasize. And it's kind of like a journey that we're taking as a, a podcast and a project. How how to kind of like raise awareness for a Slavic American identity that is still friendly with like the European, the home countries, but makes clear that like, you know, we have changed here and like this is who we are here now. And we came from y'all, but we're Americans now. Do the haters yeah. going to hate though. Uh, <laughs> it's um it's just one of those things like no, no matter no matter what we do for trying to express pride in being slavic like there's just gonna be some internet troll over in uh over in europe that's just like oh that's stupid oh you guys are uh this that and the other name calling and whatnot and i mean it's just, it's just it's just dumb at this point i'm fed up with it but monica what were you gonna say i mean i think that's interesting the first thing that comes to my mind is on my serbian side of my heritage I actually have several cousins that still live in Serbia. So I kind of get that viewpoint of having family members that are still in Serbia and kind of having communications with them and seeing what their daily life is like, like compared to mine and finding that commonality. And obviously it's my family. So we're, we're cool. And like, we get along and we kind of take an interest in each other's activities and how life can differ depending on whether you live in the United States or in Serbia. I do think with anything, I mean, people like to project and when they're on the internet, they can have a certain viewpoint about what they think is correct. But I, I don't think anything is that black and white. I think everything is extremely nuanced and it varies from person to person because I would be remiss to say that by living in America that I don't have 
greater opportunities at times than people that still live in Europe, because I do. And I am fortunate for that. I mean, Serbia was bombed in 1999. And a lot of my cousins experienced the impact of that in their childhood that I did not experience. So, Hmm. you know, I can recognize that and see, okay, maybe some people might be mad about the Slavic American side of things because they were not granted those same privileges. And, And not to say that it's all privilege on the American side. There are a lot of things living in Europe that are better for people than living in America. So on both sides, there is something to be learned and there are things to want to emulate and there are things to want to avoid. I think, again, it comes down to basic conversation when I can have a conversation with my family members that live in Serbia and recognize that their daily life and how they appreciate their Serbian culture is a little bit different than how I do that in the United States. And I think there's value to each of those things. I think what we what it comes down to and what we need to emphasize here is that it's not in competition. It's apples to oranges. It's different things. Just the same way that every person kind of like I am, I'm Czech and then I'm also Serbian. And so that's a different identity than someone that is solely Serbian or solely Czech. And so I don't think that on any side of the aisle that we can criticize people for how they celebrate their heritage, because we also have to look at the whole person because you might be a certain heritage, but you might have different socioeconomic status. You might live in a different region of the country. You might be in a different profession and all of those life experiences shape how you live your life and how you relate and connect to your heritage. So at the end of the day, I don't know quite how to solve that problem, but I think (laughs) if people, (laughs) I mean, it would be nice if we could, but I think people and mass like need to recognize that we are just, we're all doing the best we can. We're all trying to honor where we came from and move forward. And if they don't recognize that, you know, that's on them, but the rest of us can try to connect and understand. And, and you can go through the emotions of feeling like things are better or worse for you and, and try to move forward. But I think at the end of the day, all we can really do is appreciate our set of circumstances that we're in right now and be happy for that and try to make connections wherever people are willing to make those connections. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there's definitely a absolutely. lot of impact there. Um, but it's a, that, that, that was all very like professionally said. I, I like that. Um, I don't think there's really a way you can argue with any of that. <laughs> yeah. Classic lawyer answer. I'm like, yeah, oh, it exactly. depends on the situation. <laughs> Yeah, Monica, that was like very well said. Like, um, like I, I like how you're able to see both sides and like articulate a very, you know, clear point that kind of like tries to take into account both. Um, I wish I, I wish I could do that <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram. I tell you what. Yeah. Uh, I'll go talk to them if you want me to. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to come on our TikTok or Instagram and like make a video that kind of like articulates some of the things that you've said on this um, episode or really anything you ever want to say about your, your Slavic identities. Um, you're more than welcome to, we would love to have you. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, with that being said though, um, we, we do probably have to wrap this up to a close. Uh, don't want to drag it on for too long. Typically folks kind of drop off the edge once you get past like the 30 minute mark. Uh, but we absolutely loved having you on. You've been an amazing, amazing addition, addition to the, uh, this episode. So I know for myself, I want to have you on again. Austin, you most certainly, you're nodding right now. So you definitely agree. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's all it's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. So I'd love to do something more in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, Absolutely. And we would love to have, we would love to have you involved with the project in the future too. So yeah, we'll be in touch. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you guys for including me in this. Yeah. For all the viewers here, um, definitely, uh, Make sure, make sure to uh, coerce. I mean, ask Monica to uh, to come on again, <laughs> and uh, and for everybody else listening to, um, definitely let us know if you want to see Austin pop over, like just do a complete career change and have like a food truck and sell like Tex-Mex, like check weird stuff going on. I know I, I can see him doing it wearing a tank top and like some some jean shorts or something. So <laughs> the beach Slavic vibe continues. Uh, <laughs> but uh. Thank you to everybody that's, that, uh, that made it this far. We love you guys. Uh, and Dovidzenia. Uh, Dovidzenia, thank you. And thank you, Monica, for coming. Thanks, guys.